Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to the Bible Immersion Podcast by the Well Madera, where we exist to point people to the hope and love and the wholeness found only in Jesus Christ. And the heart and the vision of this podcast is to do that by showing how every single story of Scripture snaps together to shape the one true story of Jesus. And we're calling this podcast Bible Immersion because we recognize that reading the Bible is its a lot like learning a new language. Uh, not only that, it's like stepping back into a completely new and unfamiliar time zone in a culture and a context that expects you to be fluent in their history and cultural traditions and even their inside jokes. And as we all know, the best way to learn another language is to completely immerse yourself in the culture and force yourself to begin thinking about everything through the life and the eyes and the language of that culture. And this is what the Bible is inviting you and me to do. We immerse ourselves in the story and we allow it to shape our identity as we begin to see that even a few thousand years later, we are still living within this same one true story. So as we walk line by line through the scriptures to know who God is and what he's like and what it means to be human as we're shaped by the story of Jesus, come with us and see how this divine gift of the scriptures points us to the past to inspire hope for the future. That, um, that we see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Daniel asked a question yesterday, uh, I mean, excuse me, last week, that, uh, and I think what he asked was, is Jesus, is verse 3 a direct reference to Jesus? <laughs> and I have to apologize. Uh, just 45 minutes before, we were pushing how much we want this to be a uh, class of conversation, and I was telling Dave, all week it kind of bothered me because I really feel like we missed an opportunity to connect um, why verse 3 connects, uh, or is uh, a direct reference to Jesus. So today, if you guys are okay with that, I'd love to just kind of pause Genesis for a very short time, move over to John chapter 1, and read through that, and then start making connections back to Genesis so that we clearly see what... Um, uh, what verse 3 is referring to when it comes to Jesus. So, if we could turn to John chapter 1, verse 1, and let's read through, um, let's read through the first 18 verses. Somebody would mind taking part of that, maybe stopping and letting somebody else take some. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He became a witness to bear witness about the light, that Paul might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light the true light which gives light to everyone. He was coming into the world, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, 
who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Thanks. So how do we know, real quick, that, that, that John 1, 1 is talking about Jesus? He starts off with, in the beginning was the Word. How do we know that's Jesus? What about a about in verse 14 we have a pretty good hint. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You guys see that connection? Okay. So let's um, let's go back to the first part of John 1 1 and start really defining what some of these words mean. Um, because it, as we as we define these words, we're going to see how each one of these words become relevant throughout the rest of Scripture. So, since we're talking about Jesus and Scripture is all about Jesus, let's connect here. Um, so, can somebody help me start? Uh, what are what are the the descriptive words used to describe Jesus here? Maybe type them out as you guys are talking. There one here. Two on two. Oh, okay. Thank you. In, in John 1-1, right? Yes, As you guys are thinking about that, too, I might throw in, if you heard us teach kind of through the intensive in John, or I overused it in my sermons as well, but if I were to start a, a Sunday sermon with, um, I have a dream, or four score and seven years ago. If I started a sermon with something along those lines, what would you guys immediately think? Say that again. Martin Luther King. Abraham Lincoln. And then why do you, what would you then think, okay, so you made the connection back to a speech in history and a far better speech than what I'm about to give. But why do you think, so if, if John is using the phrase in the beginning, what's he doing there? Yeah. He's time, yeah. boom, right back. So so if I, if I start with, I have a dream, you guys are immediately saying, oh, he's going to try and tie this speech to the Martin Luther King Jr. speech, and he's probably going to try and build off of that, right? And so immediately John wants you to know, hey guys, that's, that's what I'm about to do. You know the creation story in Genesis 1? I'm going to tell you a story of recreation. I'm going to build. So there's a creation story in Genesis. I'm going to build from there and begin telling the recreation story. So just keep that in mind that John wants you immediately through his language to know there's going to be some seriously awesome parallels here. So, yeah. Okay, cool. 
And so, Sean, you were asking, what are the descriptive words yeah. for Jesus here? In light of that, what are the descriptive words you see about <clears throat> Jesus, John, right now? Jesus talking about true light. Okay, he talks about light, true light. What else? seems repetitive we call him the light but it also calls him like the light of men mm -hmm. so th things like that if, if you see any uh if you see any descriptive phrases or words please uh then i want to start defining these because again i think what we're going to see is through scripture these phrases and these words are going to come up over and over and over again especially coming from back from genesis no, are you also wanting something like grace and truth came through Jesus? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so what's throwing me off is as a teacher, these are not adjectives. These are not descriptive. <laughs> you oh, I see what you're saying. These are okay. nouns. <laughs> that honestly is what's throwing me off. Okay. looking for adjectives. Were you looking for adjectives? Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's honestly what's throwing me off. I have a diagram of sentence. Yeah. Okay. That, so, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for validating. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the clarification. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start defining some of these. Um, why do you guys think Jesus is called a light? You can see things that you haven't seen before. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. good. Nice. So running along with that, if you have a dark room and you can't see anything to introduce light, what happens? Now, now things become clear and see. And so tying that back to, actually we'll get back to Genesis in a moment. Let's, let's keep going. Why do you think he's called the Word? That's a big one. Testament pointed to Jesus. The entire Old Testament was all about Jesus in some form or another. And the Old Testament is, is really a, a method of communication. Um, and that's what words are. Words are, words are um, uh, communication. It's, it's a way that our God can communicate with us 
what's to come. And so we see in Old Testament, we see that it's pointing toward Jesus, so that all those words, and then we see the prophecies, all the prophecies pointing toward Christ as well. So when we see the word, he's really the personification of the entire Old Testament, hmm. right? Okay. Um, let me hand this out. Let's move back on the so I make the connection with Genesis. John starts the same way as uh, Genesis does. In the beginning, God. John starts, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. What does this tell us about Jesus in relation to, to God the Father in Genesis, as well as his place in creation? That he was there all along. Yeah. yeah. What else? Along with that in verse 1, what do you think he's doing to you and me when he says that the Word was with God and the Word was God? Like, I know for someone who's been around the Bible a while, that verse is somewhat familiar. But if you, if you were reading this for the first time and you read something that said, oh yeah, he was with God and he was God, what's that do to you in your thinking? What's he, what's he laying on the Trinity, like, starting to talk about. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't The Trinity, is starting to talk about here, like, that they are one, yet also two separate things. Yeah. Yeah. Good observation. Yeah, because if I, you know, if I were having a conversation with you guys, and I was talking, and I'm like, um, you guys know I'm Dave Paws, and then I'm telling a story, um, and I'm telling you guys, yesterday I had such a good time hanging out with Dave Paws. <laughs> what does that What does that do to you guys if I'm like, man, I had such a good time hanging out with Dave Paws. See, Paz. I went with the negative, I got a split personality. <laughs> totally, <laughs> like, totally. Deal, like, yeah, yeah, I think you're yeah. spot on. Like, first of all, narcissist. Second of all, <laughs> split personality, right? Schizophrenic. Yeah, but John immediately <laughs> saying, Oh, in the beginning, this word was with God. Okay, so we know, okay, so there's got to be two. But wait, this this character is God at the same time. So, kind of wants you to immediately feel that uneasiness of, wait a second, what's going on here? So, go. <clears throat> um, the other thing that struck me about uh, John 1, 1 is this really points to Jesus before creation. Because if he's with God, 
And remember, our presupposition is that God is there uh, before creation. He's there before anything. And it puts Jesus in the same place as God. He's before creation. And so it says, um, uh, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Okay, so so we. I'm sorry. What? Oh, she was distracted. I thought it was because I was kicking her bag over here. Yeah. 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 But I was trying to figure out where his cord was going. Okay, so starting to ramp up more to to bring Daniel's question more into light. in Genesis 3, it says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Um, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. So going to John 1, I think that connects. Or what is the connection there? Verse 4 and 5. So God said in Genesis, let there be light, and there was light. And what does 4 and 5 say? Can we read that book? In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Okay. Do you see the connection now between... Pardon me? Between light and light? Yeah, yeah. And it, it speaks of, in John, it speaks of uh, the light shines in darkness. And Genesis says, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw the light was good, separating the light from the darkness. So we see that Jesus, in verse 3 and 4, is direct connect, directly connected with John 4 and 5. So there's really a parallel. As you read John 1 and you read Genesis 1, you really see a parallel here. Does, does that make sense, guys? Any questions about that? Does it does that help connect the the question Daniel had last week? Okay. Anything there? Yeah, if I could, if you guys, um, and you guys may have already made this connection, so humor me for a second. But we talked about this last week. Uh, anytime the author of Genesis, or now specifically in John one, uses the word light, what does he want you to begin to associate with light? Thank you. Okay, yeah, exactly. So immediately we begin to think Jesus, so I'll go ahead and just do this. Can you guys see this all right? Mm -hmm. Up here. So if I I say Jesus, okay, and then every time he drops the word light, uh, he also wants us to think about another word that we see there in verse 3 and 4 in the um, Gospel of John account. (coughs) Light and life. Yeah, but yeah, uh, darkness, absolutely. So light and life, he's going to start using synonymously or interchangeably. He wants you to start thinking about Jesus is the light of the world, brings life. You're going to see Jesus use that phrase a lot. I'm the light of the world, or I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one, you know, can see the Father except through me. He'll talk about being the bread of life. So light, life, constantly. And then if you guys, if you're still in John, um, 
If you were to pick up in verse 14, uh, where Karen read for us, and mm -hmm. look through, what's the word you see uh, quite a bit there in verse 14? Well, you see it twice. Glory. 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 Somebody, tell, tell us a little bit about what glory means. We, I feel like it's one of those huge Christian words. It's like a, it's like a stained glass Christian word that we use a lot, but I don't know that we fully think about or like grasp the meaning or weight of it because we almost overuse it. Um, what, what's glory? What's going on there? If I were to ask um, you to explain what the glory of God is, what do you think you would, uh, how would you describe or define what the glory of God is? His greatness, his, his greatness. presence. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I just want to look up like the exact definition of it. So, higher renown or honor won by notable achievements mm -hmm. or um, mm -hmm. magnificence or great beauty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good. What else? Anything else along the lines of glory? Somebody read uh, John 1, verse 14, one more time, and then we'll get back over to Genesis 1. I think you want to roll into Genesis 1 now, right? No, so somebody read about 14, John 1, verse 14, <clears throat> one more time for us. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So, once again, kind of wrestling with that tension he introduced in the first verse, that he was with God and was God. So whose glory are we seeing in verse 14? Whose greatness are we seeing? Okay. Whose glory is he making known for us to see? God. God. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Hebrews, if you want to jot this down, Hebrews 1 will uh, kind of clarify this for us a little bit. It talks about him being the exact representation or the radiance of his glory. So you and I don't often get to see the glory of God in, in his fullness, right? And who he is, what he's like, his greatness. Um, but John is telling us that Jesus came to show us the glory of God. To give us just a sneak peek into the greatness, the character of who God is and what he's like. And so I'm going to argue here, if you guys would, um, every time we see light and life, we also ought to be thinking about glory. Yeah. I think John really wants us thinking light, life, glory. Jesus is the light, he's the life, he's the glory of God. John wants us to connect those three constantly in our thinking about who Jesus is. And it's funny when you, about when you uh, <clears throat> think of glory, and I think of how people would animate glory mm -hmm. when they're drawing they, they always draw with like lines facing outward like it's reflecting yeah. something big right and I think that's the picture John's painting here so yeah. he's, he's reflecting on the father sitting mm -hmm. in verse 14 real quick because I think again, this, this is all going to um, as we work through this it's all going to start uh, really connecting 
It says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we know that he's talking about Jesus, right? And I think Dave brought it up before about, um, since we're kind of talking about glory, let's run with that for a minute. Dave's, talk, Dave's mentioned before, does anybody know what that means that he dwelt among us? So the question is, who is who is he saying lived among us? Jesus. Okay, and and if he's reflecting the glory of, of the Father, really, he's they're say, uh, John's saying that the representation of God yeah. has come to the earth and is walking among us. And the word dwell, it, it really means um, in in the Greek, it means to fix a tabernacle, to, 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 to establish a tabernacle. What was a tabernacle? Do you guys remember what a tabernacle is? Yes. You got this. <laughs> <laughs> you got this. Yeah. I was going to say a place of worship. Yeah, yeah. And, and so a place of worship, <clears throat> so remember a tabernacle was a holy place, right? Mm-hmm. And this is a place where, where um, God dwelt and man would come to to meet with God, right? So this is a place where man's space and God's space, you might remember this language, man's space and God's space came together. And, and it was a place where, where, um, where they would commune, where they would meet with God. And so if it's saying that the word became flesh and kind of tabernacled among us, what picture does that paint about Jesus' mission? Can I butt in on that yeah, real quick and then ask that question again? Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, yes. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, he's come down because we've sinned against God. So when Adam and Eve did that, you know, the connection between Adam and Eve and God was broken. So mm-hmm. when Jesus came, basically his mission is to reconnect us back with God. Yeah, that's good. Well said, yeah. That's good. If you guys remember, if you read through Exodus and then a little bit later on in like the Kings or Chronicles, um, when the tabernacle is built and finished and then the temple later on, when they're settled more in Jerusalem, they build more of a stationary, static tabernacle called the temple. What's, what is the big deal? What happens when the tabernacle's finished? And they throw a party, and they see something descend down in the tabernacle or the temple. What is it? It's like the highest moment of Israel's history when this happens two times for the tabernacle and the temple. It's his. It's when the glory of God descends into the tabernacle, or the glory of God descends down and fills the temple. The people of Israel go nuts because it just reminds them that. Just like when they were led out of slavery from Egypt through the waters into the desert towards the promised land, they were led by a pillar in clouds, a pillar of fire representing the glory of God. And then to see this tabernacle, to see the glory of God descend, reminds them, oh, God is with us. Like, that is such a big deal to them, and really it should be to all of us. Like, this is a visible representation that God is with us. He is our God, and we are his people. And so to see, I can't even imagine, by the way, to see the glory of God descend into this tab- tabernacle. <laughs> Just trying to be like, whoa. Um, and then later on it happens in the temple 
and then later on, the heartbreaking thing for the Israelites is out of disobedience, they see the glory of God depart. They see it leave the presence of the temple. Um, but why do you think John, and I, I think this is where Sean's going with it, why do you think John would use the imagery of a tabernacle and not the temple when he's talking about Jesus? Why tabernacle and not temple? And it, I think it goes very well with what Anne was saying earlier. I don't know, I'm like thinking of like that temple like gives me the idea of more um, I don't know, tabernacle seems more of like working in partnership with God and like that we're invited into mm-hmm. um, I don't know, getting to work alongside him, not God, but well, Jesus and mm-hmm. I don't know, and whereas temple is more of like um, I guess what I'm trying to think is like him being so worthy that like we can't even access that. I don't know. I guess mm-hmm. I'm kind of thinking of like that tabernacle is more, and I really don't know, but like again, like that partnership getting to more work alongside God. Mm-hmm. That's like the picture that I'm seeing. Yeah. So, real quick, uh, the temple was a stationary okay. uh, uh, method of worship or method of meeting, whereas the tabernacle was mobile. And okay. pick it up and move it and, and, and take it along with their with their social media. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, Which I like where you're going with that, Aaron, because I think the difference what you're saying there is the tabernacle is a place that works <clears throat> with the people, mm-hmm. whereas in Jerusalem, when it's just stuck in one spot, then you have to go to it. Okay. It's this stationary static place where the, the tabernacle is a dynamic. It's moving with the people, yeah. and we get to move with it. And that'll be very important later on in the story of Acts. But I think you're spot on with that. Of Think static versus dynamic, right? Yeah. Stationary versus something moving. Uh, can I use the Miata example? Okay. <laughs> I use this in a sermon, but you guys will appreciate this. The nouns and the verbs are coming back, okay? <laughs> so here's what's so cool. We don't catch this necessarily um, in the English, but what John is doing with the word dwelt uh, is he takes a noun and he, he makes a whole new word and he forces it to be a verb. And so it'd be like me um, taking a Miata, and saying, you know, Miata a car, and I would say that Sean miata around Madeira. Now that's bad English, but <laughs> what I'm telling you guys is the vehicle through which he moved around throughout Madeira. So what, what John is doing is he says, he's saying Jesus tabernacled among us. That's not even a word. He literally takes a noun, tabernacle, and he forces it to be a verb. And to show us, I think exactly what Anne was saying. Jesus wasn't this like static, stationary temple. He he was the very glory of God moving in and through and amongst the people. It's a really cool picture. He meowed around. Yeah. 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 And we and we get to see the the, the fruits of him meowing around or tabernacling around the people in. And everywhere he went, what did he do? He, he uh, um, healed. He spiritually, he created um, a, 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 an environment for people spiritually that was good. And so we see him, uh, yeah, making that connection, like like Ann said. Okay, you guys good with Genesis? Um, Jesus becoming the light in Genesis, or being the light in Genesis? That connection clear? Okay. <clears throat> 
Can I talk a little bit about the glory and you jump back into that? <laughs> scared. All right. Well, one more question and then I'll, I'll let uh, Sean roll here. Do you guys remember we talked about the symmetry between days one through three and four through six? You guys remember that? Um, what is introduced the first day of creation? On Genesis 1. Are you going into that? Uh so verse 3 in Genesis 1 so Genesis 1 3 what's the first act of creation mm -hmm. what does God say in verse 3 let there be light let there be light yeah and then we talked about the, the symmetry right so God creates a structure and then he fills it with life so then if you look at day 4 what does God create Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry, Sean. <laughs> I love cheating. Do you want to wait on that? No, it's it's, 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 it's sun, moon. Yeah, sun, moon, and stars. So what we we talked about this last week? What's the light in verses three, four, and five? Yeah. I think so the reason we were annoyingly like pesky throughout John to talk about light oops, light life and glory is because John wants us to go back to Genesis 1 and have this aha moment where we're saying so what is the light in Genesis 1 through through 5 what would you guys say Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's the very it's the very glory of God. Because he wants us to make this connection that the glory, the greatness, the radiance of God. So light, life, and glory. So before the sun, moon, stars even need to be created, God just lets his presence <coughs> shine out, and his presence is what brings light and yeah, life. Right. His very presence is the source and origin of light and life. And then um, coming full circle back to kind of what, you know, the question Daniel asked last week, who is that light, that life, that glory? Yeah. And is that a direct reference to Jesus? Yeah. Okay. Does, it, does, that, does that fill in? That question? Awesome. Okay. Any questions about that or observations, comments? Okay. Awesome. Thank you guys for being patient. I really, I told Dave uh, that that question was really haunting me all week that we didn't do. Um, okay, so back to Genesis. Could somebody, uh, we went through, I think, verse 11, 13, where we go? Do you remember? 14, where we left off. 14. Did you guys have the opportunity to read 14? Kind of buzz through it? Okay. So let's, uh, let's do uh, a quick recap of what happened. Um, this is such this is so foundational that you guys are probably going to get tired of me doing this, but I'm going to ask to, to recap each week uh, so that we're continually building off what we remember the week before. Again, because it's just so foundational. 
Um, could somebody help recap what what happened last week? <coughs> Give me some details. Concept that was introduced last week. Um, bonus points for anybody who remembers the Hebrew. But if you can give me the concept, I don't know. I don't know if I know this. Okay. Do you remember the concept here? Honestly, I don't remember. Okay. It was, it was wild and inhabited. Yeah, there nice. 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 Nice again. Um, okay, so we have. The earth that was wild and uninhabited. And there were chaotic waters, what, what appeared to be chaotic waters. What else? God introduces light, and we know that, as we just discussed, that's really the glory of him shining through, about to bring life, right? You guys see that his glory, as John said, brings life. And so we're about to see that take place here very soon. What else happened? Yeah. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about how the expanse was most likely um, an atmosphere, mm -hmm. some type of atmosphere. Yeah, okay. What else? And so as, as Dave put, <coughs> excuse me, as Dave put up on the, the screen, the, the, um, he creates space, and then he creates inhabitants in, in, in those spaces. Um, and so he creates, uh, last week we left off with the plants and vegetation and fruit trees, etc. Um, and I, I ask you guys to remember how it speaks about, or how God talks about, um, Plants yielding seed according to their own kind. That's going to become really important. Here. Okay. So you guys read through 14 through 25, 24? 25. 25? Thank you. Uh, any questions or comments about that? We're going to kind of go through it and maybe talk about it, but see if we can. I did have a question. Okay, cool. Um, so when it's talking about what you're um, okay, so like when it's talking about the stars appearing and that there's clearly, um, like you said, like um, uh, time being set. Yeah. And so we see that like a day and what we see today is like stars come out at night and then obviously they go away. So my question was when we're not sure that like God's timing adheres to like what we know is time, like why even though... Um, are we not sure when, like, that's the exact example that, like, we see each day, if that makes sense? Do, do you mean, um, do you, are you asking me, do, do we know that this is established a 24-hour time period? Exactly. Yes. Okay, yeah. So, um, I think, I think there's a reason why Moses used evening and morning. Mm -hmm. 
So the evening for the Hebrews was the beginning of the day. And the morning was really the start, the evening was the starting of a new day. So I think to, if, if you were a Hebrew and reading this, it would make sense to you that this would be the beginning of one day and the start of the next. And so while I don't think it's super, super clear that it's a 24-hour time period, I, 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 think, I think based on the language and how Moses wrote it to, to the people, I think that it really is a 24-hour time period. Which is interesting because we don't see, again, as you said, the sun and the moon not being really created until the yeah. fourth day. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Anything else? Uh, does that help? Yes. Okay. okay. Anything else you guys see? David, anything you want to add to that? No, it's good. Okay. <clears throat> Let's continue reading. Um, would somebody read? Let's read 14 through 20. Five. We're going to stop right before that. Uh, 14 through 25. Can somebody read that and maybe split up a little bit. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over day and over night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarmed after their kind and every winged bird after its kind and God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. There was evening, and there was morning, a fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle, and creeping things, and beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so. I'm sorry, 25. 25. My fault. God made the beasts of the earth after their kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind, and God saw that it was good. Okay, what I, what I, what I, what I want you guys to really see in this, really focus on is, actually, let me ask you this. What, what do you see happening here? What, what's taking place here? You see a, a repetition of, of, of sorts. What, what, do you, what do you think its purpose is? Are you referring to the repetition of, of its kind? That and that. Yep. And how about the evening and the morning? Yeah. One thing that really stood out to me was that um, verse 16, and God made two great lights. The greater light ruled the day and the lesser ruled the night. Yeah. Um, that's like to me that's expressing that like even night has light. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's great, yeah, for sure. Um do you guys see order 
coming coming into play here. Yeah, I want you guys to really focus on on the order of this. What, let me ask you this: What does order do? What in the context of um, just in general, what does order do? It provides peace. It provides what? Peace. Yeah, it does. What else does it do? It also brings consistency, doesn't it? Yeah. And 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 this is this is the really neat thing that we're going to see. And it, this this order, the importance of order, is going to come into play um, in just a couple of weeks, hugely. Um, the the really neat thing about order and, and 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 the way this is laid out is that it really shows us a a, a really important characteristic. Of and that is he is reliable and he is trustworthy. When he establishes something, it will continue to take place. And I think that's why we see um, uh, Moses repeat in the evening and the morning, things after its kind. What happens if what happens if things don't reproduce after their kind? Everything does. Pardon me? Everything dies. Yeah, and, and we go right back to chaos, right? We just came from chaos. We just came from a picture of chaos. And, and he's, establishing, he's establishing an order. Um, and I think that order, again, represents well uh, part of the characteristic of God and that he's trustworthy and consistent. Okay. Dave, do you have anything to add to that? No, it's good. Okay. <laughs> but it's probably going to be a couple of week conversation. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let's stop there real quick. You guys notice about, actually, uh, are, are we reading ESV or most of us? Or, yes. Most of us are ESV? Yeah. Uh, Karen, how does 26 start in New York? Have a good one, Dave. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Cool. So when we go back through Genesis 1 through 25, and God said something, how does that, how does that sentence start? Every one of those sentences starts, sir. And God said, right? And God said, and God said, and God said. But what does 26 say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it says that? Why do you think it changed from and to then? So what just happened? We have chaos to order. Light brings life, right? See that? So God's setting up. Creation or a, a planet to to for life to flourish. He says, "Then God said, let us make man our image after our likeness.'" I feel like it's bringing focus to then for sure, and like setting up an introduction to something greater. Yeah. Than just perfectly like said. Writing, I feel like the use of like a good transition word can really bring in what needs to be said. Yeah. 
And so he says, then God said, introducing man. That, that I think that was perfectly said. It's painting a picture that all of this, all of, all of 1 through 25 was created for the purpose of mankind. Right? Okay. Yeah, that's like Aaron said that of bringing to focus like something greater. Yeah. Um, that was a cool way. That's why I'm over here taking notes like crazy. I'm supposed to be helping sure teach the class, but I'm like over here just future plagiarism waiting to happen. Yeah, so. sure. That would be, I like that language. Yeah. Uh, okay, so it says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. What do you guys see in there? It's kind of Anything in there that it's a little odd? In our image, whose mm-hmm. R is he referring to? Yeah. Like humankind, or like in his own image? Like... So, back up just a little bit, and he says, let us make man in our image. Mm-hmm. So he's establishing twice that there's mm-hmm. multiplicity, right? Yeah. Who, who do you think he's talking about? So when we go back to verse 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, we see God the Father, we see God the Holy Spirit, um, and we see Jesus right in creation. And then once he once we create, or once he creates man, he says, let us make man our image. So we see right off the bat that the Trinity is involved in creation. Sean, do you mind telling us a little bit, just reminding us how we saw the Spirit at work in creation there in verse 2? Yeah, so, um, yes. Does anybody remember the, the, what, what the Spirit of God um, was we talked about last week? The breath of God. Yeah, the, the breath. The breath, of, the breath of God. And the, the Hebrew was ruach. And you guys don't have to remember that. Um, those are really the only two Hebrew words that I know. So. <laughs> but I want to throw them out there. It actually sounds funny. Um, actually, Dave, would you mind doing that? Only because I'm not sure quite where you're going with that. Oh, okay. I didn't mean to take you off the road. No, it's okay. But, um, but yeah, so we talked about it last week, but just the word ruach, the reason, it's it's like a real breathy word for a reason. And that's why we keep using it so much. But anytime you see breath, wind, or spirit oh. throughout the scriptures, it's referring to the spirit of God. It's a breath, wind, or spirit. Anytime you catch that, it has some big significance. The authors want you to think about the spirit, which is the life-giving, just energy and presence of God. And so um, I'm going to talk about it this Sunday. That's probably why I want you to talk about it. Okay. Um, I want more content to plagiarize. But I'm going I'm to show kind of through John 1 and Genesis 1, the Trinity at work in creation. God the Father creates through the sending out of his son, which is carried by the energy and power of his spirit. So this is what you see happening. It's beautiful. You see the Trinity at work through God speaks. Well, what is that speaking? John 1, we saw the word. Jesus is the word that is the the commanding power of God. And that word is carried by the spirit. So that's that's all I want to do. Yeah, and just for further clarification, when you see that wind, spirit, breath, we immediately think of New Testament. Uh, we think of Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. That's what he's referring to. About three minutes, just so you know, two or three minutes. What's that? About two or three minutes, just so you know. Okay. 
Um, so he says, then let us make man in our image after our likeness. So let's talk about image and likeness. What does that mean? How do we define image and likeness in the context of this? Let me ask you this. What is, it, what is an image? If I took an image of Victoria, what would that be? What is an image? A picture? Um, a duplication of the original? Would you say? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so if if the concept is God is duplicating the original, obviously not in all ways, guys. Well, I'm thinking it wouldn't be Victoria. It would be an image of her. Right. It would not be the fullness of who she is. Beautifully said. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, let's stop there. I'll leave you guys hanging on a cliff a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's dirty. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. Guys, image is so good. Sean and I were talking last night. There's just so much cool stuff about image, what it means that we're made in is image. And this is where, you know, I just so appreciate how Sean's walking us through, but we just keep asking the question and want to see people grow in the confidence of just open the Bible and ask two questions. Ask what does this scripture tell me about who God is and what he's like? And then I like how you said it, like our purpose as humans. How do you say that? So, um, yeah, when we open the scriptures, the two questions we should be asking, and, and, and it doesn't matter the context. Um, in the story, in, in, in anything in scripture, we should be asking, um, who, actually, let me get my questions because, oh yeah, what does this tell us about God? And what does this tell us um, about ourselves in relation to God? Because really, ultimately, those are the only two things that matter. Not just in Scripture, but in life in general. Because when all of this goes away, we, we essentially have, we, we have a relationship with Christ, right? That's pretty much it. So next week is going to be fun. It yeah. just, man, to me, the story of why God created us and purpose for which he created us, and it'll change yeah. every minute of the day for you, why we do what we do. So, I yeah. love it. Next week's going to be fun. And I apologize to leave you guys hanging right there, but it's, we can talk image, likeness for literally two hours, and I don't want to dive too deep into it today. I'd rather take the whole hour next week and do that. I hope that's okay with that. Somebody mind praying for us? scripture that we're able to open it up and just connect with you a little better and understand um, what our purpose is and what life is all about. Uh, Lord, I am just so grateful that we are all here this morning and that we all woke up at 5 a.m. and we're able to get here on time. Um, and I'm just grateful that for just the people here and everyone's thoughts and everyone's input. And Lord, I just pray that Whatever we learned today, that something stuck with us and that we're able to ponder on it throughout the week and 
that you allow us to see just something beautiful, something that you created, and that you open our perspective just a little bit more um, as we go throughout our day and as we go throughout this week. Um, in your name.